This is, uh, I'm, I'm Pastor Daniel, I am the lead pastor here, and if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. I, I didn't grab a Red Pew Bible, I, I don't know what page number it is in there, but it's about, you know, this much through your Bible. It's the first gospel in the New Testament. We are doing, I'm sorry? 989, thank you, appreciate that. Um, we are looking at our last uh, uh, sermon on our mission as a church, who we are as a church, what we are about as a church. If you see on our walls and our welcome center, it is a statement um, equipping followers of Jesus to share his love and good news with their neighbors. And it's that last piece we're looking at today, that sharing his love and good news with our neighbors that we will be diving into today. And we'll try to keep this simple today. Um, as we work through this. This is usually called the Great Commission. Super famous part of the New Testament, right? It comes right from the mouth of Jesus. And um, there's really two kind of goals this morning. We're gonna talk more about what it means to, to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. Um, for, for many of you in this room who are followers of Jesus, there's things to consider in your own life, in your own path of following Jesus. For those who are just kind of exploring still like what it might mean to follow Jesus, um, I hope that you can continue to learn what that looks like here this morning. But all the while, we are called to go and to make new disciples of Jesus. For thousands of years, this has been the call of the church. Um, every single gospel, there's, there's, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them in with this missionary thrust from Jesus, okay? If you want to say Jesus is the founder, I guess you can kind of say that in many ways, right, of our faith, um, all of these gospels end with him sending his disciples out, okay? In the book of Acts, he actually ascends to heaven, and when he ascends back to heaven, the Holy Spirit descends to earth, essentially kind of replacing his presence, in some ways you could say, on earth, but rather multiplying his presence among anyone who places their faith in Jesus, turns from their sins, and embraces the life of the kingdom that he offered that we can call eternal life, the life of heaven experienced today through the power of the Spirit available to us. We're calling people to join in that life now. Therefore, the church is always kind of outward focused. We're inward focused in order that we might be outward focused, right? People should feel very safe when they come here if they aren't yet Christians or aren't, or you're still kind of exploring this idea of following Jesus. They should feel safe to come here and to join and sit and say, I wanna, I wanna learn here, right? And we should have a home for those people here in this congregation. Um, in a world that uh, is very much still in the grips and, and power of evil and dark forces for people who still, um, if, if all of us, if we want to be honest, we know that our heart, something's broken there, right? Um, I always say, I don't have to teach my children how to lie or to steal or to hit. I mean, they just know how to do it. It's the most amazing thing. It's like, with the first, I remember, I, there's a couple of kids, the first time I called them lying, I'm like, who taught you how to lie? Oh, I didn't have to teach you. It's this like natural thing that says like, if I don't tell the truth, I might be able to not get in trouble, right? That's just there, all inside of us, right? 
all of us experience this. The gospel is still very much needed in this world, right? But wherever a church is found, a glimpse of heaven is supposed to also be found. I say glimpse because it'll be imperfect. We're still all sinners, still in this journey all together. But where a church is found, any church on the corner, if you walk in there and the people in there, the love that is found, the joy and the peace that is found in the people that are a part of this church, that the power of the spirit that is found in that church, it should be a glimpse of heaven on earth. That is the intentions of Jesus. He called it the kingdom of God is here. It should be, right? A glimpse should be here. And not in this fullness, but a glimpse is here. And through our message and lives, um, the, of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we still proclaim it, right? The repentance of, of, of sins, right? And we receive the forgiveness of sins. It's still the same message as the generations go by. So yeah, so this sermon is going to go kind of back and forth to, to our lives as Jesus' followers and also to the calling we have to go out into the world and make new disciples of Jesus in all nations, so let's dive into this. Um, if you look in your Bibles, this really begins in Matthew 28, verse um, 18, right? The little backstory here is kind of a little humorous, um, if you ask me. So Jesus, he, he, he rises from the dead, okay? You can see this in the few paragraphs before. And the first people that see him in his newly resurrected state are women, okay? Now, for us, like, big deal, women. For first century, Okay, a woman's testimony did not actually have validity to it. And so that Jesus chose to reveal himself first to women. He says, go and tell my disciples that I have risen from the dead. Their testimony wouldn't have really meant anything. This was not a day of women's rights in the, in the empire, Roman Empire. That's 100% for sure, right? Jesus knew this, right? But he loves women, of course. He didn't, you know, live within those values in the Roman Empire. So he reveals himself to women. He says, go and tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. And they're going to meet with him. Here's kind of the funny part. He was in Jerusalem. Galilee is like a hundred miles away. So think if you're the disciple, these, these women come and they say, I saw Jesus, like he's back from the dead. And he told you to go walk a hundred miles in order that you may see him. And it's like, why not like two blocks? Like why a hundred miles? right? This whole thing kind of begins with a test of faith for his disciples. Do you believe? Right? You're going to trek the hundred miles to come and see me? Right? And they do, right? And so they gather up there in Galilee. Um, he, he calls this meeting of verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped for some doubted. I kind of laugh at that too. Like, really? You saw this guy nailed to a cross and now he's standing in front of you. You're just like, Nah, I don't know about this. I don't know what would cause them to doubt. But anyway, so they see him. Some people worship him. Some people are like, I don't know. But here we go. In verse 18, this is the Great Commission. And when it sets in, it begins with this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Foundation block number one, King Jesus. 
He has all authority. He has been given to him. His resurrection made him, as Peter says, both Lord and Christ. It was revealed that he wasn't just some Joe Schmo lying and coming up with this new religion, but he actually died and then came out of the tomb, showing his divinity. He really was the God-man that he claimed to be. It was validated, it was shown, and thus all authority has been given to him by God in heaven and on earth. His kingly authority, it begins here in our hearts. Not with this when the church gets this wrong in history, not with governmental systems and not with setting up empires where you have like the Pope and the king next to each other and always like literally in the Middle, Middle Ages they would fight one another for power. That's not the kind of kingdom that Jesus had in mind that he's setting up, right? The kingdom begins here in the hearts of his people. There was this um, really fascinating story of this young man. He was very wealthy in the Gospels, and he, he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, you talk about this eternal life, this life to the full, this life never-ending that's available today that we'll receive, you know, in the age to come and the time after this life, but I want that now. Like, what do I have to do, right? And Jesus is like, well, you know, keep the commandments, love your neighbor, and, you know, don't murder, don't steal. And the guy's like, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm living, you know, uh, the, the Bible commands, like I'm loving, I'm, I'm doing all that stuff. Like, what else, Jesus? Come on, like I want this life. And, and I love this because in the Gospel of Mark, actually, um, there's a little, it includes a little detail that Matthew or Luke doesn't include, right? In verse 21, it should be in the slide behind me, it says, Jesus looked at this young, wealthy ruler, this man, this local leader, and it says that he loved him. Right? The other gospel just says he looked at him and spoke, but he, he looks at him and he, he sees what the issue is. He sees that this young man has a master. He sees this young man is attached to something and is essentially bowing down to it, and he has a master. And now Jesus, when he calls people to follow him, he's not looking to be one of many masters in our life. He came to overthrow those masters because those things cannot provide the fullness of life for us, right? I actually heard a quote with Jim Carrey. He was um, talking about, I think he's actually retiring or basically retired, and um, I forget what award it is, but someone was talking about like, you know, um, how can you say you're done acting? You're still, you know, relatively young, in your early 60s. You have time to, to act. And, and he said something along the lines of, well, the issue is when I get that Golden Globe or that Academy Award and I get another one, right, I don't look at that and say, ah, I have enough. I look at that and say, man, wouldn't a third be great? Right? We can relate to that. It's never enough. These, these false masters are never enough in our life. And Jesus looks at this young man. He realizes what his master is. And this is what he says. Verse 21. One thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And now come and follow me. Experience life detached from your stuff. In other words. Because that's your master, young man. Once you experience life detached from your stuff, then you'll begin to taste the fullness of life because that's your master. And it says he actually walks away kind of heavy-hearted and sad because he wasn't quite willing yet. We don't know how his story ended, 
right? But the idea of Jesus having all authority in heaven and on earth is a call for you and I to become um, detached from things in this world. And the beauty of this is when Jesus becomes our master, when we realize that he is our authority, then we find freedom to enjoy things in this world, but also then not to enjoy those things because we're not enslaved to them because we have one master and his name is King Jesus. This is how the Christian life works. This is a life of heaven, right? That you can say yes to something and then also in the same breath say no to it because it's not your master. You can enjoy your things but also freely give your things away because you're not detached to them. You don't bow down to them looking for hope and life in those things. Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is the crucial call. When we're making disciples, the first kind of foundational block that we need to communicate to people is to say, this call to follow Jesus, it's not like, you know, we're, we're throwing, um, uh, you know, a bobblehead Jesus on our dashboard that's like smiling with a halo to like help you, you know, maybe not get mad or road rage in traffic. Like, I sh- I, maybe that can be helpful for somebody, I don't know, but it's a little more than that, right? It's a call to say, you, you have a new king and a new master, And he is calling you. He wants to give you his spirit to participate in the joys of heaven now on earth and give you the power that is found in heaven now on earth to love him and to live freely in this world but not of this world. And in that life, you will find healing. You will will find hope. You will find peace. You will find true joy. You will find detachment from any kind of false god or slave on master on this earth. That is a call that we're calling people to, friends. Do you understand this? I think sometimes as a church, we, we can talk about Jesus as like, oh, he can be like your, you know, uh, he can, can he make you happy? Or kind of make your life better? He's one of the many numerous options in 2022 to maybe try to mimic in your life to find something that can work for you to make your life better. No, he's not. He's saying, I'm your everything. I'm not an add-on. Come and follow me. That's going to be the choice. Whenever people approach him in the scriptures, that's the choice he gave them. He's like, you really want to come? Like, you want to follow me? Take me as your king. Detach yourself from this world and come and follow me, right? And there's such joy in it. That's, that's, that's how this starts, right? So now that important foundation is laid, we're going to move on to the Great Commission itself. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In the Gospel of Matthew, these are the last words of Jesus, right? The primary verb in these verses is to make disciples. We've talked about this the past few weeks. I won't really go deeply into that. If you missed those sermons, go check them out. But we're called to share his love and good news with our neighbors. And we are first and foremost, we are making followers of Jesus as we do so, right? We are to do so among the nations. I've said it before, but it bears repeating once again. God and his sovereignty have, he has brought the nations to Wilmington. So we are to go out into our cities and the nations are here among us, even here, right? In our increasingly um, post-Christian nation, right? In dramatic rates and percentages, the church is, is shrinking, 
right? Um, uh, There's just more um, uh, unrest in our culture. There's more um, just mental uh, uh, unhealth in our culture. There's, There's so many, the needs are just so enormous today, right? And for us to truly look out around in our community to, to say who has God surrounded us with, they can have a home here. They can meet Jesus and, and be a part of this church. Whatever culture they have come from, right, they can be here. And we need to continually consider as a church how our music, our preaching, and what we do here can be home for any of the ethnic groups that surround us here in Wilmington. And so, okay, in this verse, after make disciples of all nations, there are three uh, participles for you uh, English nerds out there, um, or grammar nerds. Three participles attached to this, this, to this verb. Go, baptize, teach. What are the three? All right, you're awake. Good, you're awake. The first is to go. We're not to sit on the good news. You ever had good news and just be like, I hope nobody else hears about this really good news. Of course not, right? You want to share good news. That's the first instinct you have. But did you know, a little story here, that there were two ships close to the Titanic? I don't know if you've ever heard this story before. One boat was called the Californian, okay? It was about 10 or 20 miles away from the Titanic. It was close, 10 or 20 miles, okay? 10 or so minutes before the distress signal gets sent out of the Titanic, the radio is turned off in the Californian. The guy's asleep, they put their anchor down, they're chilling, they're, they're, they're asleep, they're just shutting down for the night. They see some flares shoot up, and they know the boat's 10 or 20 miles away. See some flares shoot up, and they're like, uh, maybe they're just having a party or I don't know, nothing, right? And then they actually see the glow of the boat, that's how close they are, and the lights just go pfft, turn off, and they're like, maybe they're just shutting down for the night. And they're just hanging out. They're doing nothing. Another ship that's about, I think, about 58 uh, miles away called the Carpathia, their radio was on. They received the distress signal. There's three and a half hours to get there. They zoom there, and just because they arrived, the wreckage is still everywhere. It has long already happened, but they still are able to save 700 plus lives. Here's the idea it's far easier as a church to kind of anchor down, to kind of sit as if there is no pain or hurting around this building in our community as if all things are fine and we're just able to kind of coast and hit cruise control here and say, yeah, we're good. When there's people that are looking for hope around us, that are searching everywhere for hope around us, right? The sickness and death and addiction and broken families and people in deep spiritual poverty and existential crises, right? If we do the following Jesus thing right, we're not just sitting here waiting for people to show up, we're going. We're going to our neighbors and loving them and serving them because that's what Jesus did when he walked. He had people, he was always, Will talked about this. If Jesus isn't teaching, he's eating food with people. The guy loved eating food with people. He was always with people. He was compassionate towards the blind and towards the prostitutes and towards the adulterer. Like he was spending time with these people who knew their need, right? He went out to them 
right? He, he continually said, I can't stay here because I got to keep going to the other cities around here because there's sick people there, right? We should look at our church in essence as like a field hospital, right? That we're out in the middle of a battlefield, right? And people should be able to find healing here. That we go out, we're dragging people from the battlefield and say, let me, let me tell you and show you the healing bombs of the good news of Jesus and what he can do for the healing of your soul. That's what the church is supposed to be. The second here we see is baptize. We have to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A little scripture here in Titus 3, 4 through 7. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. We didn't earn our salvation, friends. It's a gift given to us. By the washing, that word there is the same word for baptism. By the washing, by the baptism of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified or being made right by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's so much in there. We're not gonna break that down deeply here. But that word washing, as we said, is another word referencing baptism. When we baptize people, it is a 2,000 year old ceremony that Christians have been doing since day one. The first page in Acts, they're baptizing, right? It visualizes for us the, the death to life reality of becoming a Jesus follower. That we were buried with him We died to our sins just as Jesus died to our sins on the cross. But he was raised to the newness of life by the power of the Spirit just as much as we are given new life, the life of heaven that is fused into our own through the Holy Spirit. We are also raised just as Jesus is raised as we pull people out of the water, right? The language used in scripture is to be born again, to be born from above, as John 3 says. It's a new birth, it's a new origin story, if you will, in our lives. And it comes because the Holy Spirit, the the, the Bible uses the word, the the baptism of the Spirit. He comes and he regenerates us. He comes and washes us and makes our heart new through Jesus Christ. And the idea of baptism, there's so much more that could be said, but the idea of in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is important, okay? Because you're not baptized in the name of Emmanuel Church, right? That's not how this works, right? We are part of a global family of Jesus followers on almost every nation, every continent. Oh, I don't know if there's Christians in Antarctica. Maybe there's a couple, I don't know. But all over the globe, you have Jesus followers, right? And we are baptized not in the name of this church as if we exist for the glory of this church, right? We're not here to to spread the good news of Emmanuel Church. No, that's not our identity. First and foremost, our identity is in God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into his name, right? The Trinity, you know, you have God the Father. This is always confusing. Nobody's been able to really adequately supply a definition of how this works. But you have God who is three, 
but you have him in one. Three persons with three distinct personalities that are still sharing one, and the church fathers called it substance, right? Um, different summer for different day, but there's three persons in one substance, okay? That's the, the, the reality of who God is. God the Father sent his son into this world to achieve our salvation on our behalf. Then when Jesus left, he sends the Holy Spirit down to multiply his presence on earth as the Spirit comes and indwells every single Christian on earth. And that is who we are baptized in. And that goes back to the authority piece, right? You become in God. Your new life has become in his kingdom. It becomes in him. So when you think of yourself, when you think of your name, when you think of who you are, you're like, yes, I have a relationship with God and now he knows me and his spirit is in me and I was baptized into him and into his family. We are calling people to do this, right? So many churches, unfortunately, get caught up in like their own glory. And I think when they baptize, they incidentally are baptizing people in the name of their own churches if we exist for the, for the glory. No, that's not how it works, friends. We are here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, calling people to follow Jesus that may learn to know God. Are you tracking me this morning? Third is, the third piece here about making disciples is teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. If Jesus was not eating, um, sharing a meal with people, he was teaching. He was teaching continually. And I really tried hard to figure out how to like work this out here, but we are um, inundated with teaching today. Um, It's deeply democratized, meaning we have access to more information and more teachers from in our pocket, right, from this lovely guy that we all so dearly love and everything, like, we can access the global just information access to teachers galore, right? The days of a local church, you know, kind of fulfilling the role of being the community's primary teacher and preacher of what Jesus taught, those days are long gone. Chances are, some of you have your go-to podcast or preacher or pastor that you listen to far more than teaching from this own church. I mean, I have my share too, right? And all I can try to do here as the pastor is to ensure that whatever's being taught here to the best of our abilities, to the best of my abilities, is reflecting the very things Scripture teaches and what Jesus taught and what Jesus told us to do, right? I understand his message that the kingdom of God is breaking into this earth, the life of heaven, that we are called to participate and to share in that life today as we live, right? Um, just a brief little thing here. I, I've, we actually did set up what I'm calling a bookshop. It's not necessarily a bookshop um, in our welcome center here just to provide healthy resources because we'll talk about this in a minute, um, but uh, healthy resources to help navigate our complicated age today. They're all by donation. Grab a book, make a donation that's suggested in the cover of it. If you're a reader, please grab one. The goal is just to help create healthy foundations for thinking about Christianity and Jesus and the world and how we interact with the world today. And hopefully there'll be helpful resources there for you. But the idea here is that we obey what Jesus asked, not out of legalism, not out of a bunch of religious laws and say, oh, more stuff I have to do, right? It's, it's discovering who Jesus is 
And the Bible says there's life in him, that he, he came and brought life, and his life was a light of men. When the scriptures speak of Jesus in that manner, when we talk about obedience, we're actually talking about discovering the fullness of life and what it is, saying, I get to do this, like I get to experience this today. I get to share in this life of heaven today. The Holy Spirit wants me, I can, I can do this. Like we're all gonna sin and screw up, absolutely. But I have power to actually overcome sin and addiction in my life, to find healing in these, these, dark, uh, uh, these dark areas, like this is available for me? The answer is yes, right? And it comes with obeying and doing the things that Jesus asked us to do, right? There's a lot of Bible teaching out there, and I'm not quite sure that a lot of it has that end as its primary goal, <laughs> you know? This is a good litmus test for you. Okay, if you're listening to a lot of teaching online, is, is the end result you uh, learning how to, in a more deeper, uh, in more expanded and mature fashion, learn how to be a follower of Jesus? Learn how to hear from God in order, you, in order that you may carry out this life of being. If the teaching you're listening to is not really that, if it's stuff that's like just anxiety, like, oh my gosh, the world is ending, where's the Antichrist? Where's the newspaper? And they look, oh my gosh, Iran, we're all gonna die, like nuclear, we're all gonna, we're gonna hide in the ground. Like, if that's where you're at, with the people you listen to, that's, that's not of the Lord, right? Anxiety is not of the Lord, okay? Um, if, if you're listening to um, teaching that makes you think Jesus was a white American Republican or a Democrat, and that's exactly how we voted, and therefore to be obedient means to vote like Jesus did. Like, if that's the kind of teaching you're hearing, no. He was a Middle Eastern Jewish man who had brown skin who did not speak English. And none of his followers did. Did you know that? Did you know Paul didn't speak English? I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but that's not how, that's, that's not the reality for Jesus, right? There's a verse in, uh, when, when Paul was on his way out, he told Timothy, he said, keep watch over your heart. Keep watch. Because a lot of people are teaching goofy stuff in his day too. Friends, keep watch over your heart. This is a sacred place. This is a sacred place. Don't let things get in there that will just slowly creep in and bring you more and more masters to call your heart's attention to. This place belongs to Jesus. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You must look at your own heart as a place where Jesus lives. It's a sacred place what your heart longs for, right? It's a sacred place. Don't let things in there that are evil and corrupted and just sick and lustful and sensual and don't let those things in, friends. For the sake of not just your spouse and your, your family and your friends, but there's so much more life that is available to us. There's so much more life that is available to us and it's just a hard age to live in with media and it's just, it, it's so powerful and so accessible and I know it's an uphill battle for all of us, but friends, let's fight the good fight right? And keep what's inside of you is, is sacred. Keep watching what enters you in order that you may go out and be that loving, kind, powerful presence for your neighbors that we're called to be. And this is how we're going to close this morning in our sermon. I can call the worship team to come up at this point. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew twenty-eight twenty. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. 
Jesus did leave, but his spirit came, and his spirit now has multiplied his presence all across this world to now where he can say, I am always with you until I return. It is with his presence, right, that we go forward in confidence and in strength. This is the kind of life, friends, that we are to make disciples of. So questions before we close, we'll have some people available for prayer. We do need to keep in mind service length for what's taking place here in a few minutes. But nevertheless, if you're sitting here, and anything that was said in the worship and the sermon, you felt just a stirring, like a heaviness that you can't like kind of shake out of your mind that you feel like you have to address before you leave, but you kind of really don't want to, but you know that you really should, this is probably the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Maybe many of you are familiar with that feeling. Maybe some of you, it's still something you're learning how to navigate. But if, if that's within you this morning, that a word is, uh, is just kind of sitting on you that you need to maybe confess sin or just come and get, say, I need help. Like, I'm kind of in a bad spot. I don't know what to say. Like, this life you're talking about, this making disciples, like, I, I, I want to share in that. Like, I, I need prayer. Like, if that's you, please respond without embarrassment, without um, uh, any shame, right? Come forward, we'll have people available for prayer as they're singing and for a few minutes after. Come forward and receive prayer. Um, let, me, let me pray for us. Jesus, I want us to be a church that is making disciples according to the manner in which you defined, Lord. Lord, I ask that this, this life of heaven, this kingdom that is breaking into this world, Lord, this, this eternal life, this never-ending life, Lord, that you continually said is offered to us today in the now, Lord, I pray that we as Emmanuel Church can just experience that life and cultivate that life by the help of your spirit through repentance of sin, through, through holy living, through love of our neighbor, through service and sacrifice of service to one another, Lord, of the loving of our spouses and, and, and uh, just serving them and just, Lord, just this, this life that you exemplified for us, Lord, that, which is really the fullness of life. Lord, help us to live this, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come even now into this room and minister to your people. Lord, may your voice be ever so clear in the ears of your people this morning. Lord, thank you that we get a chance to know you and to be a church in the city that needs you, Lord. What an opportunity, Lord. What a cool opportunity, an honor, Lord, it is. Lord, may, may we be ambassadors of you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you.